Hello and welcome back to Franklin Covey's newest podcast series, C-Suite Conversations with Scott Miller. That's me, I'm your host and interviewer. Each week today we're taping this interview from the MGM Grand Hotel in Las Vegas where we were invited guests to the YPO Conference, Young President Organizations. And today I'm delighted to culminate our interview series with the CEO of YPO, Xavier Mufraji, who is here today to talk with us. Welcome, man. Welcome. Great to see you. Great to see you Scott. You've had 700 of your best friends and constituents <laughs> here yes. um, asking questions, giving positive feedback, wanting changes like any CEO. Yeah. When you've got all of your membership here, it's uh, exhilarating and probably also exhausting two days, but you carry the stress well. Oh, thank you very much. At the end of a great three days, day and night, you know, it's YPOA. Uh, but it was exciting to see everybody in person. It was an honor also to be a small part of okay. this series as well. So a couple of thoughts. Not everyone knows what YPO is, and those that do want to be a part, but not everyone is invited. So would you take a few moments and talk about the mission, the structure of YPO as the new CEO? Okay. Uh, what I say is more the story. You know, uh, YPO was created by a young entrepreneur, uh, Ray Ecock. He was 27. And at 27, his dad, um, you know, uh, was, was died, you know, died at that time, mm. and he became the new CEO of the organization. Thirty, three hundred employees, I think, uh, you know, well averse, but what was the business were about? All Americans. It was based, start, started here in yeah, the US. Yeah, yeah, and, and he told himself, you know, now I'm in charge, and kind of the imposter syndrome. Yeah. And he told himself, who can I talk to? Because I'm feeling alone at the top, and trying to find, you know, people who have the same experience. So the first people he talked to was. Uh, um, one of the you know, CEO of Estée Lauder at that yes. time, another family business. Um, they made an announcement on, I think, Wall Street Journal or New York Times saying, hey, here we are, this is what we're looking for. Does anybody want to join us at a, at a hotel, I think, in New York? And there were a thousand people to join up. And that was the beginning of a great story. Immediately, a thousand people. 1950s. Yes. Yeah. And, now, so and now, we, now we have 32,000 members around the planet. Wow. It's 142 countries. But which is important is that we remain to have two to the mission, which is, you know, all those members joining the organization have success at a young age. And they all want to be better leader for the organization, but also better leader for the world around them. Sure. Um, invite only, member organization, yep. uh, global organization. Yeah. Talk a little bit about what the criteria is to be invited to be a member of YPO. Yeah. I think the number one I say, aspect is your mindset. Mm. You know, when we say it's not about networking for business, it's first, it's all about you as want to be a better leader, uh, being open to discuss with other members, being vulnerable about the situation we have. We always say we have to be in a place where you talk about your 5%. The 5% of things that even with your spouse and with your colleagues and your friend, you will not feel comfortable to talk to. Uh, then the criteria which are more, you know, in terms of the size of a business, we really want people to hire and fire you know, having a big organization of, of at least 50 members, 50 employees, mm, um, and also a minimum of revenue, depending on the countries, but around, you know, 15 million USD uh, per five year. Five zero, 50 million. 15, one five. Yeah, one, one five. five yeah. One five. Uh, but they need to achieve that before the age 45, and that's, that's the challenge of, yeah. you know, that's why we're really looking at people at, at the beginning of their career, really, op really open to develop themselves. Uh, and then they keep us, you know, being with us for, you know, until 90 years old. Uh, well, I, I had a chance to witness the camaraderie yeah. and the, the, the passion uh -huh. that members have, both as um, members yeah. until, the, you, until you become a gold member, correct? Yeah. At what age yeah. do you become a gold member? At 50. At 50. 50. And then yeah. you can stay in through the, through the tenure. The, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Let's come back to YPO and talk about your career. Yeah. Uh, French by birth. Yes. American by choice, at least yes. by resident, right? Yeah. 
but you've had an international, uh, broad array of experience. You were yeah. the CEO of uh, Clamet. So CEO of Clamet for yes. North America and then for Europe. Yes. Uh, first, I was the son of an expatriate uh, from Exxon. Yes. Uh, so we, uh, I lived in Africa, Ivory Coast, Western Africa. I live in the States. Uh, I live in Europe. I also work in Australia. Uh, my wife is British. Uh, my number one shoulder at Club Med was Chinese. Yeah. Uh, and all the teams in Club Med you're working with is about 15 nationalities. So yeah. it's kind of the thing I, I love to uh, be in. And uh, I love that diversity yeah. and I love this experience. So it was a big part of my journey. As, I, think, as you know. I think Club Med is a household name. Yeah. I'm not sure everyone knows what Club Med is. Can oh, so, a, a, yeah. A so Club Med is a result. It's funny. Uh, created in 1950s, same year. Similar. So two people around the world having like amazing journey. It was first created by funders who wanted to help family after the Holocaust. Wow. That's a great story as well. So they wanted to take care of the family and say, how can they regain um, purpose in life and rediscover themselves? So uh, Club I, Med was founded as an NGO. As an NGO to yeah. support Holocaust survivors. Yeah, yeah. No idea. Yeah, it's a great story. So. One of the founders was an uh, Olympic uh, player, water polo. He, he, he saw to the Trigano family were at that time, um, you know, the number one in uh, picnic, um, camping. And they say, what could we do for those families? And the story is, is that the son was there and he showed him that in the warehouse they have tents from the US and Canadian army who left France after the end of the war. Uh, and the first customer of Club Med, if I may say, were, you know, families. Uh, that they took in uh, Spain, they took a boat, they stayed three weeks, wow. and the first staff were friends of the founders, so they were Olympians. It was called Club Med then too? It was not, yeah, it was, right. it, it was becoming, they did that for two years and then they said, you know, this concept of people coming from around the world and getting in a place which is known in tourism and which is discover themselves uh, was, you know, a great idea. I mean, you could think it was in the 70s or in the 50s. Um, and today, Club Med is around 70 properties around the world. Uh, 1.5, 1.7 billion US dollars. Membership revenue. organization or it's a, it's it's, a resort? It's, it's, a, it's a resort. It but is. it's true that like a membership, the renewal, uh, you know, people are come back and come yes. back and come yes. back again. So. This today is not your first time on camera by any stretch. Yeah. I understand you also did an experience <laughs> on Undercover Boss. Yes, That's got to be fascinating. Take some time and talk about what was the purpose of that? Why did you agree to do mm -hmm. that? Uh -huh. I didn't see the episode yet. I'll I'm going to watch it. it for sure. Yeah. But talk about your Undercover Boss experience. Uh, that was... That that was something, you know, you, when you want to, to do it, it's, it's really when you have a lot of interviews. Um, so I was contacted and say, are you interested? I say yes. And then it was like nine hours of interviews because they really want to make to sure. To see if you were the right fit for the for Yeah, the because the program, you know, to create, I think, the emotion of the program, yeah. they really want to make sure that you're going to be vulnerable, you're going to really, you know, being yourself um, and, and being really, which is the goal of the program, is that, you know, really understanding the real life of your employees at work and outside of work uh, and realize the difficulties of that job. Um, so it's an eye opener for CEOs and sometimes when you know, in my case in properties, you just see like 40% 40 40 of the reality. Uh, here you have the opportunity to really see it in, in real. Um, so it was an exhausting program is, you know, 20 hours of filming a day for 10 days. That's why they really want to make sure that <laughs> you're in a situation where you're really into it. Uh, where was it filmed? Uh, in Mexico, in Dominican Republic. I see. And, and you, you know, watch the program. You're going to see me having uh, fun. Uh, but it was, it was... An emotional experience for you? Emotional experience. At the end of it, I really have a very deep connection with these five employees and stay in contact with them. 
and they're amazing stories. They're amazing stories, but they're really a symbol of uh, what Club Med is all about, which is giving a chance for people with even no diploma, wow. uh, speaking sometimes one languages, who never have even a passport. And within five years and 10 years, uh, they move to Dominican Republic and they do, uh, you know, receptionist or then a head of a bar in the Alps uh, mm -hmm. in another resort because all the staff are moving. Uh, every nine months a year in a different location. Yeah, I'll bet. So it's a beautiful story. Yeah. I'm guessing there are some similarities to uh, your role at Club Med and at YPO yeah. in terms of the, the level of guest expectations. Yeah. I'm also guessing there is some, some inherent difficulty in being the CEO of an organization that's really a member association. Yeah. Where you have people that whose membership is by very nature highly successful, driven people, high net worth, yeah. highly educated they all think they probably could run the organization because they are CEOs of their own companies or presidents. Yeah. Um, what skills do you need to draw upon and still develop mm -hmm. to be the CEO of this organization with you know, 30 plus thousand yeah. associates? It's a complicated job. What skills are you learning that you maybe have to keep developing to lead that's YPO? Good, that's a good question. Um, I think the first thing is they also extremely engaged. Mm -hmm. So in some ways the job I try to find. Due. They pay dues. They, they pay dues, and, and and they give give time back to the organization. Yeah. Like we have like two thousand of them. I give them like sometimes a, a full day or a day and a half of their of their week back for the organization. Yeah. So in some ways, the job seems similar to a head coach of a football team, uh -huh. uh, where you have fifty thousand people in the stadium who know better than you the team, the DNA of the team, the culture, and which which play we should do, and so on. Um, what I think is the number one skill which every CEO should have is uh, being able to listen uh, and really deeply listening. Uh, because sometimes, you know, you, and you learn that when you're in a hospitality business in a hotel, you have a general manager when we talk to see them, when you ask to see them is for problems. And they say, hmm, 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 hmm. And they say, you know, my day is full of problems. So they start off not being able to listen to the problem. They just think about, okay, another one, another one you really need to have this commitment to make the organization better and, and deeply listen to the feedback you have from um, all these members. Then which is great in that organization is that if they really feel that you listen to them and you challenge yourself about the decision you may have taken or about to take, they really respect then the decision you're gonna take. But this connection of really being able to show them that you deeply listen to their comments is critical. You feel like you're developing that still. You're still. You're, you're I still learning because you're finding you, that. you you need to. You know, I'm I'm done a lot of sports and always balance my my life. You know, I do triathlon. So in triathlon, you, and especially long distance, you learn on how to finish the race, being able to run. Mm. So you're always going fast or on the bike. You still do nutrition thinking. So I need to push myself enough to move forward fast. But I should always be careful not to burn my energy because there's a run to make. And that's on the run. That are you going to be walking or running yeah. at the end? Yeah. And on that fact, you need to then create your day so you have time to listen to the members deeply and then have moments where you say, I'm going to be energized by some other area. So you finish your day in a balanced way. Otherwise, you can burn yourself very yeah. quickly. Great metaphor. Uh, you're the CEO of YPO, but you yeah. were also a member of YPO for a decade. I think yeah. you were the chapter president in Paris. Is that uh, right? No, I was, part, I was part of the chapters in Miami uh, and then in Paris. And in Paris. Yeah. So we know this idea of the quickest way to change your paradigm yeah. is to change your role. 
So as a member, what have you learned differently now as the CEO to say, oh, well, it's not that easy. I mean, I'm sure there's been some mindset shifts you've had from being a member and a leader to now being the CEO. How has your paradigm changed? Uh, The first thing is that you arrive as a CEO and say, what are the data? Okay, what are the priority? Let's get it done. Uh, And in a membership organization, this phase is first you don't know yet everything, so you have to be cautious. And there's a phase what we call socialization. Start to ping pong you, I say ping pong your ideas uh, with people around say, this is what I'm feeling, this is what I'm getting from the data, and really understand in a deeper way what is the situation. Uh, so if you go too fast, you're gonna go, go fast at the beginning, but then you're gonna have a lot of walls because you wouldn't have checked some of those ideas with people who've been in the organization for a long time. So then you have the tendency to say, oh my God, I should go very slowly now. And then the people say, no, don't go slow. We need to go fast. Mm. So that's where the point I was saying before is that, okay, so ping pong your ideas, take the feedback, and even if they feel that they're not gonna agree with you, don't stop. Just challenge yourself, because if they really feel you take into account their comments, they're gonna, they're gonna fully support your, your decision. So this question of, Getting to the right rhythm, yeah, right. I think, is the number one um, I think learning I, I had from from the organization, and then being understanding that there it's kind of these members are kind of your best customer in your hospitality. You know, they they tell you things that they would love to see changing, but no matter every call I had at the end, it's exactly no ma- no ma- remember I'm here to help, I'm here to support, I'm here to serve the organization. So anytime you have challenges, the same person that may have challenged you on some of the ideas are going to be the first supporter to help you. Yeah, well said. As you look back at your career, I don't guess you thought you were going to be the CEO of a member organization. (laughs) Um, And your career is very much, you know, only half done. You have, you know, the crescendo ahead of you. Has your career been deliberate? Has Uh it been accidental? Has it been serendipitous? Uh What career advice would you give to people as you think about your own? What have you learned? That's a good question. So I was lucky enough to have a CEO position at an early age. Um, okay. I was CEO of, of Club Med North America. I was 31. In your 30s, I saw that. Yeah, yes. 31. That was very yes. early. And I was just in a company for two years. Yeah. Um, so I, Congratulations. I was, that didn't you. happen by accident. I mean, <laughs> no. yeah. It, it's the, the first thing is a lot of, bit of luck. But that's, it's the first phase is, for me, starting with craft, craft foods, Mondelez, which yes. is uh, give you the opportunity to get responsibility very quickly. Uh, they're very strong on training. Uh, you had a marketing background, correct? Marketing, yes, then sales. Yes, right. So I changed job seven, I did six jobs in seven years and a half mm-hmm. at Kraft, and then the beginning Clamed. So these companies give you, I would say, MB on steroids. Mm. And, and especially getting you the opportunity to take tough decisions and running with the pressure of business. So that helps you to go very quickly in that organization and then jump to great job, which was the case in Clamed. Um, then there was the first phase of being a CEO, imposter syndrome, uh, completely. So you're like, yeah, I'm just coordinating. It was an interim situation after yeah. the CEO, uh, you know, left the company. Uh, and then quickly you understand that, you know, you need to take your, yeah. your this is yeah. your spot. You have to do it and lead it. It was a great experience. And you talk about epiphany moment is that you realize that now you no more searching to get to the job, like your personal ambition. You're starting to be more at uh, not necessarily legacy, but the global impact you can have as a CEO. And for me, that was mind-blowing epiphany. Mm-hmm. I really, through OIPO, helped me on that, on that moment to say, 
No, what I mean, what I'm really interested in is not only achieving my budget and my career and my bonuses. No, is that how many people can I really impact? How many employees can I really impact? And especially in hospitality, when you can create a lot of jobs, and uh, that's starting to be uh, something for me. Say, hmm. Actually, what I love in my job is that if I do my job well, we can impact a lot of people. And, and uh, you are, you see it. I mean, yeah, you, it's yeah. palpable here yeah. at, this, at this conference. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm interested to know about your leadership style. Okay. How many employees inside of YPO? So we have uh, 400 employees internationally. Yes. We also have, in a way, we work with uh, 450 chapter manager, work directly with the chapters. Right, right. Not really uh, I own employees, but employee for the 400, whole organization. Or so. And then we have like 2,000 CEOs, champions, ready to give 20% yes. of their time for the yeah, organization. Yeah. Yeah. So arguably 1,000, yeah, but a lot 400, of 400, 200. Yeah, yeah, How many direct reports do you have? Uh, About. Seven. Seven. Okay, yeah. I want you to think of those seven people. Yeah. And you've been leading them now for a year. Yeah. What is something that they would agree upon is a big strength of yours? Uh, the listening part. Your listening part. Yeah. Because you've worked on it. You've groomed that. Yeah, it's something I, and, yeah. I, and I, love, I love to do. I really, and it has been difficult with the virtual moment we have right yes. now, uh, which I've been missing, like many CEOs, like being outside in a home and have, not have the direct contact. When you can deeply listen your employees, and not only the executive team, I try to spend a lot of time with everybody in the organization. And you know, even 10 minutes you can spend with every employee, again, if they really feel that you listen deeply to them and you're really able, and the question I always ask is how can I help? You know, that's the role of a CEO now is opening doors. It's not, strategy is easy in some ways, execution is difficult. And engagement of your team is a priority. So the, this deep listening, I think, is critical. You would consider listening to be a leadership competency. Yeah. Those same seven people, yeah. what would they say is your biggest area of growth? We love Xavier, he's a great listener, yeah. and he needs to go and build this skill. I think I heard it many times, I'm, I'm always on the next thing. You live in the future? Yeah, you're always like, oh, I want to achieve that, I want to achieve that, I want to achieve that, and we spend a lot of time achieving, even from my past experience. And then instead of saying, hey, we did it, celebrating, and I'm like, yeah, you know, it's done. And, and, and people sometimes don't, it's, You're on it's to a the common, next. common, common yeah. trait about people in YPO as well, is that we don't spend enough time of having everybody taking a breath. What did we learn from celebrating, the experience? Celebrating, recapping, Celebrate, yeah. and then yeah. moving forward. Yeah. And, and I think that I'm guessing it's a strength of yours also. It's could a strength be a, and a weakness. Yeah, now I realize it's more weakness yeah. because, um, you know, the CEOs, you, you don't have the operational pressure your team have, no matter what we say. Uh, because there's always people who help you executing stuff. So it's easy to move from one idea to another. Uh, while your team, to go to the finish line, it's a lot of energy which is put in on, on spot. And you need to respect this moment of, of reason. As I say, you know, learning from triathlon, if you're just running straight from the swimming, you're going to burn yourself. So, we have to be cautious because we have a tendency to think it's a strength. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think it's really a point of development because you can drain your team. Uh, hmm. yeah, because not can. everybody can follow that. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's important to celebrate wins. Yeah. It's important to recap, right, and yeah. recalibrate. Yeah. Uh, finish us off with this conversation. Mm -hmm. I want you to think about the person in graduate school. Yeah. And they're thinking of taking their first real corporate job. Yeah. Perhaps they're going to be on their way to the C-suite in the next yeah. 8, 10, 12, 15 yeah. years. What are some of the things you want to remind them that they need to develop? Mm -hmm. They need to know how to read a P&L, calculate EBITDA, you know, yeah. be a global citizen, things like yeah. that. But what are some of the leadership competencies that you think 
are necessary yeah. for the next 10 years? Give me three or four of them. Social skills. Interpersonal skills. Yeah. So relationship even skills. Even so social skills is that especially right now, people spend a lot of time on their phone. Yeah. Uh, the reality is through deep connection with your, your vendors, with your partners, with your boss, with your employees. That's what going to get you to the, yeah. any ambition you have. Um, if it's all about you, um, you're just going to go fast, but not far. Mm. And alone. And alone, and you're not going to enjoy it. Yeah. Um, and we have a lot of people like doing extremely great job at the beginning, and they completely burn out after five or ten yeah. years. So it depends what you're looking for. But if you, if what you want is uh, happiness in your job in the long term, happiness not only in your job but in your family, uh, res respect the time, and it's all about being your authentic self. So don't try to be somebody you're not. Uh, and also respect the people around you. Um, even the people in, you know, when you're in craft, those companies, you know how many people are going to take to the next step. Yes. And each time you have less and less people. Uh, I realized that most of the opportunities I had, it was just because people were talking to me and I knew what kind of job will be open. So I was lucky in some ways, but I was always at a good time and the right moment where a position was open. Mm. It was never because I tried to put somebody else on the side to be successful, because even people are going to recruit you if they feel that you get to those positions because you push other people on the side, these people don't want you in their team. Uh, if they feel that you're really about being your authentic self and you have that trust, in some ways they will vote for you. It's like people voting. Uh, and in that case, you have amazing opportunities you would never have otherwise. I love your answer. I, I, I want to push on you. Yeah, push. Because I think you hear that so much around yeah. your authentic self. But yeah. isn't it true that millions of us work in organizations yeah. with strong cultures yeah. where you can't be your authentic self? Yeah. Because if you are, then you don't fit in the culture. The culture values this, and this isn't the right place for you. Yeah. How, how do you reconcile yeah. you know, multinational organizations or large Fortune 5000s that yeah. have strong cultures? Mm -hmm. And they may talk a good game, yeah. but the fact of the matter is you can't bring your whole self to work because yeah. you have to, if you want to get promoted in this organization, yeah. then you have to figure out what is it they value mm -hmm. and align your authentic self yeah. to perhaps what they think should be the authentic self. Yeah. So the first thing is, first as a CEO, the CEO, you're the culture. So if the CEO is not true to himself, you've got the culture, the culture you deserve as a leader. Um, and, and people can see through you. It's like, you know, it's like everybody sees through you if you're authentic or not. Then I think where it's, there's a shift is that if you don't create a culture where people can be their authentic self, you're not going to survive in the next few years. Because now the new generation and they influence every generation. They will they're bringing it. They're bringing it, whether you want yeah. them to or not. If if they feel they cannot be their true self, yes. they're not going to be joining your company. Well said. And, and I think that you know, in the challenges we have today, it's you know the world is global, so you can have people from around the world, and and, and it's not you doing it because you know diversity of opinion and so on gets you as a better organization. But never forget, if you're not able to create an environment, you're never going to have access to the best employees in the world. The key point there is that the leader is the culture. Yes. What she says, what he does, what she yeah. doesn't do, what they value. Yeah. It's important to know that we create culture in every interaction. Yeah. Right? And that yeah. if you really want people to bring their authentic self to work, you have to bring your authentic self. Yeah. But I also think it's important that leaders don't underestimate their power. Because yep. I'm going to guess you value global citizens. Yep. You probably have a paradigm of people who don't have a passport. Yep. You probably have a, a judgment of them. Yep. 
And so you have to really balance yeah. what those preconceived notions or judgments are so people without a passport, meaning yeah. they aren't as cultured as you, don't yeah. feel minimized yeah. or they have to fake it or hide their uh -huh. lack of culture. It's, it's, uh -huh. a, it's, a, it's a tension, isn't it? It's a tension, uh, and that's why you know, a CEO job is, is you have to be an athlete, yeah. uh, and you have to improve yourself every day. Um, I think the point you're raising is the non-judgmental, non mm -hmm. is, is critical. Um, and especially we have people, depending on their culture, let, let's take the topic about the mask or the vaccination, it's very personal. And you're hearing a lot of judgment and you say, hey, guys, depending on your own personal um, situation you've been to, if you have somebody who has COVID during the beginning, if you have somebody who died because of it, you're going to react very differently. That's right. It's very, very personal. So it's where there's some And also points. what city you lived in. Yeah, absolutely. Right, or education background. Or, or in right. Texas, where right. I have different vision. Right. And because you listen to different media, it's a That's different right. situation. Right. So you're influenced by that in your own judgment. Yeah. Um, but I think it's, I think the organization is going to succeed. It's going to be people who create that culture where people feel they can be themselves. And, and why? Because you achieve your, your result every year because at one point somebody bring another ID when you feel that you're stuck. I have like multiple examples where for 10 years, we say, oh, we're never going to reach this budget this time. And we did nine, nine times on 10 years. So we nearly did it every year. But half of the time we thought we would never achieve mm -hmm. this result uh, mm -hmm. when I was in Club Med. But one month before somebody said, hey, why don't we do that? And sometimes we didn't take that ID, but somebody said, and what about this? And what about this? And each time we have new ideas that help us to find some solutions. Yeah. So that's why I believe so much about that. Xavier, great success in your long tenure as CEO of YPO. Thank you, Thank you for joining you. us today. And we'll see you back here next week for a new conversation on C-Suite Conversations with Scott Miller.